You're listening to Gear Disrupted. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode three of the podcast, Gear Disrupted. Our mission here is to encourage and inspire people to live and work abroad through practical tips, actionable insights, and real-life stories. I'm your host, Abi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gabriel. We have a really special guest for you on the show today. He's someone who has been living the digital nomad life for almost a year, and we were so excited to be able to talk to him about what life is like while living and working abroad. His name is Johnny Pavolny. Johnny worked as a software engineer for Nike, and he left his job at the end of 2018 to give himself the opportunity to travel the world. In order to supplement his lifestyle, Johnny now works as a full web stack developer with clients back in the United States, so he's still able to sustain the income he had prior to leaving his job. Not only has he learned a lot about managing an online business, but he has also traveled through most of South America since the beginning of 2019. I met Johnny on an Antarctica cruise earlier this year. Meeting Johnny and learning about his life inspired me to find a remote work opportunity for myself. He's a really awesome guy, he's super smart, and he's an avid kite surfer. He's got a lot to share with us today, so without further ado, here's Johnny. Hey, what's going on? Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. What are you up to? Uh, just getting some work done. I like didn't do anything yesterday, so I was supposed to um, do a bunch more yesterday than I did, and so now I'm gonna work till like midnight. But hey, oh, nice. so where are you right now? Brazil? Yeah, up in uh, Jericoacoara on the north coast. Nice. That's like a beach town, right? Yeah, it's like a big. I came up as like a as a windsurfing hub in like the nineties, and now it's a big kite place. And like also, a, so most of the foreigners here are like action sports people, and then most of the like Brazilians are like people from Brazilian cities that are like to the beach and taking Instagram photos in a white dress. So it's a funny mix of population. But. Do you windsurf? Have you gotten into windsurfing? Uh, I'm a kite surfer, so yeah, that's why I came here. Oh, sweet. Um, That sounds awesome. So yeah, we're excited to learn a little bit more about you. I know Avi obviously knows more about you than I do, Um, but you know, you're in Brazil, you're kite surfing, you're working from an Airbnb, but can we just back up for a little bit and can you tell me us uh, what you were doing before you started doing what you currently do, how old you are, where you're from, just a little bit more about your background. Um, so I'm uh, 27, about to turn 28 next month. Um, my background is I spent like, uh, well, I've, I'm a computer scientist by educational background. Um, and so when I left college, I was like kind of in the space of trying to connect people who spoke business and spoke tech. So I was doing what's called a business systems analyst role. Um, and I did that for corporate Nike for about a year and I got super tired of telling other people what to do and mm-hmm. never like really getting to do anything that I felt like I was concretely contributing. Um, not that that job isn't like super important. It's just for me, wasn't, it wasn't the right place cause it's a really coordinative job. Right. Um, rather than like an individual type of contributor's job. And I, and I grew to realize that that, that coordination mechanism was like not my strong set and not what I care about. Um, so I started kind of poking around at like what I, what I would want to do. And I, I had kind of always had this idea in my head of like, 
I went to school wanted to be a computer scientist, but I never really wanted to like sit and code all day because I thought I'd get bored. Um, I thought I wouldn't get to work with other people. Um, and I started talking to mentors and managers and talking about what I wanted to do in terms of like, I like things that are a little bit creative, but I like them to be analytical. I like to work alone sometimes, but I also like to work with other people. Yeah. And kind of everyone I talked to was like, dude, you're describing an engineering job. <laughs> and so I just was like, yeah. ah, I'll give it a swing and go back to it for a while and see what I think. Um, so I, I got an opportunity to um, to go into like basically R&D at Nike, but on the, on the software side. So it was like product, it's like software innovations that were supporting their product innovations. So things that we were doing were can't talk about like a lot of the specifics but we were doing a lot of stuff in terms of like automating machines and mm-hmm. like doing things with trying to transform design intent into a more like 3d run world and all this cool shit and so i just got really like turned on by um by like by the career and just felt like i got this chance to learn a lot kind of in a small amount of time mm-hmm. i think it's like a sidebar um for people i think anytime you could put yourself in like a, a small team that does a lot of different things and force your own hand in terms of learning tons of stuff i think that's really really valuable because i think a lot of people get like slotted into some niche in a big either a big team or a big corporation or something like that and then they don't get the chance to 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 sort of push themselves through um through multiple learning experiences right yeah so that's awesome so then then what happened there with with the r d did did you like working at r d at nike yeah, I had a blast. Um, I actually kind of always tell people, like, I had so much fun there that I was like, I could probably end up just staying this job forever, kind of. Yeah, and that felt cool. like a warning sign that I needed to do something else while I while I have the opportunity. And so um, I spent like three and a half years there and then basically felt like I got to the point where my skill set was varied enough and deep enough that I could check out on my own. Uh-huh. So that's interesting because most people maybe want to, look for another opportunity because they don't like their current job as much. So the fact that you loved it and you could see yourself there forever was, I mean, that's super great foresight for you to want to find something else for yourself. Like you said, while you had the opportunity. By the way, anytime if I, if I interrupt you, I think there's like a little bit of a delay. um, No problem. (laughs) No problem. Um, I literally live in the middle of sand dunes, so <laughs> the internet sometimes. That's so pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so so yeah, what did you what did you do next, or once you had this thought, once you realized that uh, you had built up your skill set, what was the next mm-hmm. step for you? So yeah, so and just to kind of as an addition to what you're saying, I think like the the like I could do this forever. The reason that was a catalyst was was because I was like, hey, I'm young i don't have a family i don't own a house like it was kind of this moment of like okay i'm not attached to anything except for like i own a car and i have a job like yeah you just got the bills i can sell a car and i can quit a job right right yeah um and so so that was kind of the impetus like i don't think there's anything wrong either though with people who are like hey i i just hate this job i'm over it and i want to balance i think that can be a really good like catalyst motivator too but um the yeah so the next thing that i did was basically i I figured that i wanted to to leave and strike out on my own kind of just because I'd always wanted to travel more long term and I was kind of respected and admired people who did that but I didn't want to do the like travel on three dollars a day and like not and like lose like kind of totally lose touch with my career and my skill set so um I started basically the first thing I did was like sign like a short-term lease and buy a like a uh 
wanted to go. And so that was like a, it was like drawing a line in the sand of, of like everything else will follow, but like we're doing this on this date. And I think that was yeah. really helpful because <laughs> otherwise you can kind of just like hem and haw and say like, which I'm sure you guys are finding out or have found out already by doing the same thing. Like you can say like, oh, well, when is it time to like launch my business or when is it, like, right. when will I know enough or when will I like be there? And the answer is like never. You yeah. just have to do the thing. Yeah, the time is and now. Figure out the details. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's so true. And I feel like we basically had the the same thoughts. Like, like we were trying to figure out what's like the right time, and then we we're just like, "Fuck it!" Just like, let's book our flights and let's find a place, and then we'll figure out the rest later. So that's kind of right. pretty much what we did. And where was your yeah. first location? Uh, I started in Santiago in Chile. Okay, and but I wasn't there for very long. I basically at the beginning took like. A little bit of time to go like just travel and not work like i took like mm. two months that's when i was in antarctica with abby uh, oh, okay just getting it out of your system did a bunch of hiking in patagonia yeah i was yeah. like i don't want to do anything right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's awesome um yeah so I, I basically bought the ticket and then like once i'd done that i i sort of started like writing a bunch of like like i wrote this document that i keep, i still use it it's like in my google drive where it's like it's it's okay here's like gates that you have to hit a particular goal by like okay i want my company's website up and running by this date and i want to have answered this this and this question by this date and so by having like sort of a concrete list of goals it was like then i had something to work towards and and so then for that whatever it was eight months or a year before i left from when i decided to leave um just kind of started ticking off all of those things and, and not everything fell into place before the day that the flight arrived which mm-hmm. is never going to but like the actually important shit rises to the top, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of hustled on it for like for like a year, and then traveled just with no with nothing for about two or three months, and was because of the hustle had had some clients that I knew were ready to pick yeah. up with me on a particular start date, and were comfortable with like waiting until that time. Nice. Um, and so then then I came and just sort of said like, hey, I'm online now, and like let's get rolling. So can you can you get more into that? Um, like as far as what was your hustle and, and how like did you have clients already? Was this all through your relationships at Nike or did you basically start something new? Yeah, pretty exclusively actually. Um, I I like found a stretch assignment during my current job that was with this like other innovation group in Nike that I knew used outside vendors. Okay. And that was a way of like basically getting to know those people and present myself as like, Hey, I'm about to be an outside vendor. Um, and I didn't end up working for that particular group. But during that time I met um, another guy who owns his own agency. And so I do a lot of subcontracting for him, which has been super dope. And that's, that's something I also recommend if people are like, if you want to sort of like put your toe into the waters of like doing something independent, you can like be you don't have to be an employee but if you can contract out for somebody who themselves runs contractors mm-hmm. yeah if you find the right person you can learn a ton but still have a lot of flexibility um so that was one of the guys and then i, I during that same assignment i found some. i found a guy who was um leaving nike to go start like an entrepreneurship think tank mm-hmm. um, nice. and consulting group so he's not on the tech side so he ended up being a direct like end client because he i knew he needed tech resources um, I've had groups contact me that like talked to my old boss and said, Hey, we need this thing. And he said, Hey, I think I have something great for you. So oh, that's for me, great. it's been yeah. pretty, sorry, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't. No, no, that's great that you were able to leave on such great terms that your old boss is recommending you to potential clients on your end. Yeah. He's a, he's really a badass. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it just was. I think it was like I gave them enough heads up and like treated the whole process with like, okay, I'm still, I'm still here. Like until I'm gone, like I'm, I have my head in this. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't didn't like let the senioritis piece kind of like right. yeah, overrun yeah. things. Um, and I think they felt good about like how that was handled at least. Did you have any any fears when you were trying to make that call of leaving Nike? Yeah, I think. I think the scary as it was, I don't want to fuck it into two ideas, right? Like, I think there's the common fear that everybody has of like, well, if I leave this job, like, what happens next if I like if I fail? And I think that like the way I tried to think about that is like, there's just always another job. Yeah. Like, if you're willing to be, if you're will, if you're if you're smart and driven, and you're willing to work at it, like, you can find work. Like, yeah, there are industries where that's harder and easier, but mm-hmm. like, there just jobs are a thing, right? right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think that helped with just that basic fear of like, okay, I, I was like, this isn't the only job in the world. I'm not getting divorced. Like, I can, I have, I can come back and find something else if this, like, like the, if this just crashes and burns in three months, or I like break both my, you know, break both my feet hiking yeah. and I, I can't move. Like, I can come home and sit on my parents' couch for a couple of weeks and find yeah. a new job, right? I think that's that. It's a bit, that's a very important conversation to have with yourself. And for me, when quitting my job, it was super important to look at the situation and, and think that exact thought, this could go horribly wrong. Um, I could I could say in three months, like, hell no, why did I do that? Um, or, I, or, or I'm ready to undo that, get back to whatever reality I was living before. I think that's just such a great mindset to help release some of that fear. Yeah, like worst case, you could have just had, you know, a three month long vacation, got to see Antarctica, right. and then come back and find another job, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, kind of the big the piece that is really a blessing, I think, about being being from a essentially, I mean, a first world economy is like basically you're you have a you have a, a parachute of like if you can get six hundred bucks together or if you can buy it, you can get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody will probably let you sleep on their couch, and then you'll probably find something to do, right? Like, so that's dope. Um, I think the other fear probably was wasn't so much. Um, what will I do if this doesn't work? But like, how will I feel? So for me, it was like, mm. I was like really scared that I like, I put all this emotional investment and time and energy into like that year of prep of working up to this. And then like, what if I get abroad and like, I hate it. Yeah. Or I'm really <laughs> bad at it. And I like, can't find, like one of the big things for me was like, what if I can't find clients after the first like one or two projects? Like what if I just never find work and I'm fucked? Right. Yeah. Um, or what if I do badly? Or what if I, you know, what if, what if, what if, right? I think it was a, a lot of that was much more, not mm-hmm. as much about fears of like how I'd survive or get by, but like how would I like look at my own, like look at myself from a, um, from like a self-respect perspective. And I think that's really important to try to start to separate. Like mm-hmm. there's an idea I think that we have built into us. And I super, I struggle with this super hard of the idea that like performing or being good at things means that you're valuable right. and like failing at things means that you're a bad person. Right, and, and that's like really hard to divorce in our culture. Absolutely, and I think it is especially compounded when you are your own brand, right? You're no longer um, somebody who works at Nike. You work for yourself, and so I think that adds another layer of that fear of okay, if my business doesn't succeed or if I don't get clients, then I, as a person, am either lazy or not good enough or a failure. So I think that's such a great point to keep in mind that there are they are two completely separate things. But yeah, maybe it's an uh, American culture thing that 
that sort of adds another layer of complexity to that whole mindset. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. So in speaking, and a lot of people do fail. Like, right. Even really successful people like fail a lot of times before mm-hmm. they succeed. Right. Like yeah. a lot of people have, who have own a, a successful business have had like three of them go under. Right. Right. You know, for as much as everyone says that you should love failure and embrace it, that's probably the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I feel like everyone's like, just fail a couple times, you'll be fine. Right. So but, much easier said than done. Right. But I mean, if you were to fail or if you're going to fail, like like you said, now is the time, right, when we don't have family or kids or too many commitments. And and even if, like, you know, we things were to go south we have time to like make it all back up and we don't have other people relying on us right. to pay their bills. So that helps. Right. And I think the thing that's cool about it, like is even, so say like your business went on, right. And like, or you couldn't find clients or whatever, like whatever that traditional failure might be like all along the road of that, you learn so many different things that mm-hmm. are little successes in and of themselves. Like I had no idea. I didn't know fuck all about like, about like, taxes beyond filing like a simple 1040 and now i have an accountant like right yeah. and it makes me feel fancy because i have a, like i have an accountant now like it's not not fancy but it like feels cool to have like crossed that bridge right or yeah. like um that's a dumb that's a super dumb example but like <laughs> no that's no great. it's no, good we, we're no. both like struggling with that we're i like, need oh, to find we'll an to accountant find, yeah find a stupid accountant <laughs> well not stupid i got it yeah. I got a company for you guys. We'll talk about nice. it. Sweet. Yeah, uh, offline. Uh, give us a yeah, rec. Someone that works. I'm not, endor- I'm not endorsing anybody on a, if we're on a podcast. Right now, <laughs> I can't like holler out somebody's name without finding out if I gave some, some free services or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, like, or I think another thing would be like, okay, so say you, like, for example, say I got like two, I got a project and then like that was the only project I ever got. And then like I was like, oh, well, I have money. I have to move home. Like, think about all the tiny little things I learned in that project in terms mm-hmm. of like, how to run how to run that project how to do it from a technical perspective how to run a business like all of those things have a valuable skill sets that don't go away just because something else went wrong that's right. such a great point so do you find that um you know you you have set yourself up very nicely you took the time to travel and now you're doing the travel work thing are there ever any points in time where you worry about finding your next client or maybe you have like a dry dry month or something like that um does that happen or have you been able to build up a pretty steady stream of clients and income so i think i've been really fortunate in the fact that i have that person that i subcontract for because that kind of like ends up being like a little just like dependable bread and butter because that company's more established than i am right and then i supplement that with other with other clients that i find myself so that kind of helps me skate through the dry patches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if I didn't have that, I think I'd be hustling a lot more aggressively on like finding people on Upwork or um, there's like Reddit groups and Slack channels where you can go look for work in like in your field. And so like I have a friend who who did a similar thing that, that I'm doing at a similar time, and he, I, like I know he will go and like he'll go apply for a hundred postings on, on dice, like, and he'll get two jobs out of that, but then those jobs would be 40 hours per year or something like, so it's, it's, I think that, that you can, you can just make the, if you don't have work, then your job becomes finding work, which can be exhausting, I think for people. But can you, you mentioned some resources. I'm a huge Redditor myself and I love it as like a freelancer and entrepreneur. Can you maybe mention some very specific reddits or slack channels or sites that you 
that you would recommend to if you didn't have that more reliable subcontracting gig and needed to dive into that maybe like top three or a handful sure um i mean they'll be like specific to me so i don't know like to my field so i don't know if this is like helpful Mm -hmm. for everybody but um there is a tech recruiting website called dice um and i've had a linkedin for five or six years and have never received a single email from a recruiter i got a I got a dice profile and I started getting like 10 a day. Wow. That's awesome. Um, a lot of those recruiters are like, Hey, you want to come to Irving, Texas and work on Java? Like <laughs> in the office. Like, so a lot of them are trash, but like you, you can make some good contacts through that. If, and there's sometimes people who have like actual remote work. Um, especially if you're, if you're comfortable with like a remote 40 hour week job, like they're, there's, that's another way you don't have to contract. I like doing it because it's really flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you want a little bit more steady, like if you want steady income, steady dependability, you want somebody to run a team for you and just hand you work to do, like there's nothing wrong with like a rem- an actual remote job. Yeah, like a remote exists. nine to five. Yeah. Uh, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So um, let me find the. I got a couple other ones for you guys. Okay. So that's a good one. Um, there's obviously like the freelancer sites like Upwork, Upwork is the biggest one that I'm Fiverr. aware of. I haven't particularly done much there myself. Um, there's another one called moonlightwork.com. A friend recommended it. I don't know a ton about it. Okay. Um, some subreddits. There's one called Remote Dev, which is specifically for software developers. There's another one called Remote Jobs. Nice. There's one called Remote Job Seekers, and there's mm-hmm. one called For Hire. I think there's also a freelancers or a freelance mm-hmm. one that's yeah, like there people is. give more advice rather than posting jobs. But like some of these ones that I just said are like literally the whole thing is job posts being like, it's this much money, it's here, it's remote, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, another one for for technical people or people who are close to a technical space is to if you have a particular technology that you like working with, um, there's there's always a Slack channel for it. So I'm a, I do react i do node um and both of those things have their own chat their own slack channel i think there's a, a ruby slack channel there's a bunch of different ones nice so how does that work you just basically pick up work for someone who's, who's looking to do a, a task for them on slack yeah usually like those slack chan- those slack communities for that language will have like a, a remote jobs or a, like a contract work channel um and you can there's probably a lot of duds in there, but you can sort through and try to find yeah. something that seems like it's something that seems like it's real. Nice. Um, there is remote okay. Okay. Oh, nice. dot i dot i o. It's not dot com. Okay, great. Remote okay, and I think they're not just tech jobs. I think I'm signed up for their tech list, but I think they might have other stuff um, in there Sweet. as well. Um. Oh, and then one more. I forgot to say this. This is this is like probably one of the most one of the ones I think is the most important is like recruiters exist and like people are people I think are think like oh somebody should reach out to me but like there's nothing wrong with like figuring out okay what are like the 10 from a my from in my case for example what are the 10 tech recruiting companies in Portland that like I know my company has worked with before and like have a decent reputation and then I just like emailed somebody from each of those companies that I found on LinkedIn or knew through you know a boss knew them or something and was like hey this is what I'm doing And, you know, not, hey, awesome, I don't really do remote work, it's all, you know, or I don't do contract work, or yeah. I don't do remote work, or I don't do both, but, like, once in a while, one of those people had stuff that they were interested in 
doing or at least I'm on their radar and they can point me in the right direction. So that's another good one. Yeah, that's, yeah, another, that's, awesome. that's another great piece of feedback. Yeah, it never hurts to reach out. And that happens, there's a lot of people like that who do that. I think for like copywriters and all sorts of like anything that's like digital nomad-y in terms of profession, like people are recruiting for it. Yeah. yeah. Those Absolutely. worlds are just kind of hand in hand. Yeah, and just co- contracting, subcontracting is just becoming increasingly more popular. So how long do you want to or plan on sustaining this lifestyle? What do you absolutely love about it? What are maybe some drawbacks associated with it? Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love the flexibility and I love the ratio of like how my money goes towards my lifestyle. Yeah. So like <laughs> if I don't work on I didn't work yesterday and I didn't go like ah oh, shit now I'm not, not gonna have enough money to pay my rent right like yeah. yeah. So the, the availability of just like, I'm going to go to the beach today and then I'm going to work tomorrow or like, Hey, I'm going to kite surf from 11 until five mm-hmm. and then I'm going to work until midnight. Like running your own schedule is dope as fuck. It's yeah. So fun. That's awesome. Um, cause it never makes it feel like you go to like, you quote unquote go to work. Mm-hmm. I just like pull my computer out and like get some shit done, make some money. You can always um, yeah switch it up. <laughs> yeah. You don't dread working yeah. then. Right. It's, it's not like, Oh, I have to wake up at six to go into work every day and yeah. You feel forced. You, you kind of work when you're feeling the most motivated and most creative. And I think that's And that's I think awesome. the downside to that, to that freedom is like, it's pretty hard to get a disciplined routines. Mm-hmm. So like, I definitely have noticed that like, I don't work out as consistently. Like, um, I don't have like a, as consistent of a sleep schedule. And like some of those things can be really tiring and like not good for your bodily health because like my each day is so different. That, yeah. Like, Sometimes routine is good. So that, sometimes I miss that a little bit, but um, the I, benefit it outweighs the cost, I think. I certainly can relate to that. At first, I thought there was something wrong with me, so I'm really glad to hear you say that because I've been living a routine all my life, and when I quit my job, I thought, oh, man, now I'm going to just get into a routine, but it's going to be my routine. I will <laughs> dictate this routine, but it'll be a routine nonetheless. However... It's really hard to stick to that when it's like a Wednesday afternoon and my friend invites me to the beach or I get to go to lunch with a family member. And then it's like, okay, fuck my routine uh, for today. So I agree. It can be a little bit hard to establish the, the good parts of a routine. But like you said, I think that flexibility and and the ability to do what you want really outweighs some of the downsides yeah. of, of the lack of routine. Um, yeah, so... so... In terms of long-term plan, I don't really know. I think that the – I really am – I'm really liking it, and so I don't see quitting anytime particularly soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I would um, – I don't think that I'll do this for a decade or something because um, – just because I think the, the the single strongest downside is not having a consistent community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you – any friendship that you have sort of generally is, is someone that you're getting to know. Yeah. And like the upside to that is like, uh, you know, that feeling when you meet someone, you're like, I fucking get who this person is like yeah. off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it can happen in like romance. It can happen in friendships. It can happen all those, all these kinds of ways. I think you have, by taking yourself out of your current friendships and taking yourself out of your current context and meeting a lot of people, you're like shuffling through a deck of people and I think it's, A, important to be able to be like, nah, I don't like that card, and not, like, worry about, like, feeling responsible to, like, connect with everybody. Yep. Right. Um, but also just realizing that, like, that can bring people across your path who are, like, really, really dope and that you would 
And so it's kind of, that's a trade-off thing, right? Where it's like, I really miss my best friend. And that's really hard some days. But then I've also met people here who I like connect with in this deep way that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Right. And then I'm sure it's, so, it, it is very transient. It can be fleeting, which like you said, if you're around somebody or you're uh, dealing with somebody that you don't really like, that it's not the, the particular card of choice. The good news about that is you're, you're leaving soon. But then if you really find somebody that you just click with and love, um, it, then you're, you've entered into a long distance friendship. Um, yeah. but that's a great point. I, I think that's important to mention. Yeah. And sometimes you can find people who are like, Hey, you want to go the same direction as me for like the next month. And like some of the times that I've done that has been the best parts of this, mm-hmm. um, where you're kind of building your own community that moves together. Um, but you know, at some point the independence of the lifestyle will probably bring you apart from those people. Yeah. Um, so I think in a couple of years, I probably will be like ready to be able to just drive over to my parents' house and and have dinner there and like I've got a lot of family like I have a bunch of brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews who are all in my hometown so like I can imagine wanting to get to, to go back and see them but mm-hmm. I had a really interesting the way that I'm doing it right now is like this the whole like digital nomad tour of like I'm moving around a lot mm-hmm. right but I had a really interesting perspective I think you probably remember um, Carl yeah from the boat your, your the way that he took yeah the UK guy yeah the way that he talked about it always was, he's like, I'm not on vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm not traveling necessarily. What mm-hmm. I am is location independent. He's like, for me, if that means I want to go back to England for two years, right? I can. But because I'm because my work is is based in remote and being remote, and my life is built around flexibility. At the end of that two years, I can pick up and go again. Yeah, that's awesome. If that's... I want to, and, yeah. and then you can spend six months in a place go to another place, realize you hate it and spend a week there and keep moving. And so I think if I go home, I probably will try to maintain some of that like location independence where I don't want to build a ton of like ties, maybe keep running my business and get to be close to my people. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a good point. Yeah. Cause, cause we've thought about that too. And, and it's like, eventually we want to come back to California. Right. But the idea of having the flexibility and being able to work from whenever, we want and wherever we want is would stay important throughout and i think that that's such a good point that that even after this experience if you come back you'd still want to kind of maintain that location independent in case you just hate being home (laughs) but i think it's important that will keep you grinding right when it is midnight or you are fucking up your sleep schedule because regardless you are one funding your travels and your lifestyles but like you said you're building your own business um and there are there are a lot of possibilities in in terms of where that can go whether it's client acquisition or learning some marketing for your services or just exploring different channels so um as avi told you we are about to embark on our own journey um we'll be living in i think we will be a little bit more anchored it seems like um we're playing medellin for two months uh stretch in bali and then we are we don't know from there, but we definitely want to stay in places for at least uh, six weeks. So that's our situation. Now, what I want to ask you is, even though it's, you know, maybe we have slightly different um, ways of moving around, if you could tell yourself one thing before you are leaving, like we are, you know, on the cusp of leaving, what's one thing that you would tell your past self or just us? (laughs) 
think about anything that you would normally buy on Amazon because it's hard <laughs> to find in a store and buy it now. Yeah. Because there's like little things that are just a pain in the ass to get. Like, what's a good example of something where I was like, I had somebody bring it to me. Anything that you would normally buy online because it's not like something you can walk into a supermarket or a department store. Like, don't worry about clothes. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about like batteries and shit like that like mm-hmm. you can get all that stuff but like i wanted a i wanted like a, a mount for my gopro to put on my kite lines and i like didn't realize afterward and, like, and then i had to like have somebody buy it online in the states and bring it to me because like you cannot mm. find that you cannot ship yourself stuff it just will you will not have time and you will not want to pay the import taxes yeah. um that's okay. kind of a basic one that's good um, to know another one would be cross borders by at least especially in south america cross borders by land and then if as much as you feel like you can afford it or want to afford it travel around in country by long distances by plane because usually the inter the intra country whichever one it is that's inside flights are really cheap but um, yeah crossing between countries is really expensive crossing borders the taxes are insane mm, yeah that's good to know yeah and because you also have to prove onward travel if you take a one-way flight um which by the way if you ever need to fly into somewhere one way and you need that onward travel you can go to Expedia and they have you have to make sure there's no booking fee for that particular class of flight and you have to make sure that flight has 24 hour like free cancellation yeah. but those are both easy to see and if you then you can just literally buy a flight once it's ticketed you take a screenshot of the ticket and then you cancel the flight and like that's it's legal it's what travel agents used to do and like it's the best way to that's like, a great hack. that's really good to know yeah we you... probably need to do that before we get in one super super important oh, you, ha- you will have to do that or you will not get on the plane in los angeles oh really oh god yeah. okay so we need to prove when we're leaving south america you need to prove when you're leaving whatever country you're going into so if you're going into colombia you just need to show them that i that you have a a way of, le- of uh, that you have a date that you're leaving colombia okay and so That's really good to know what, I, what i usually used to do was do bus tickets like when i was gonna like leave i would just buy a cheap bus ticket across the border and if i didn't want it i wouldn't use it and it was like okay this is 30 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever but the expedia thing is better because you literally as long as you make sure it has no fee and is 24 hour cancelable um and there's blog posts on how to do this to like make sure you like look, look in the right places for those that information yeah it's it's free and it's totally like legal and fine to do it you just like get a ticket at an itinerary and cancel it so what has been like your favorite part about south america and uh, like medellin in particular yeah. Um, um, so I, kind of in the lifestyle, there at least for at least my experience, there's sometimes just time times when it's like okay, it's it's rise and grind time where where it's just super super intense. So mm-hmm. Medellin happened to be that time for me where I was like I was working crazy hours and just didn't I didn't get to see a ton of the city um, oh. to be frank. So I know Medellin very well, mm-hmm. um, which is like a downside, right? Like, but. Um, but I, in contrast, I didn't work all of October, so like November came around. I was like, okay, well, a bunch of projects I need to like get done, and like shit needs to happen now. So I like kind of grinded on it then. Um, the, my fa- my favorite thing about Medellin after like was because after nine months in South America, I was like, if somebody hands me another plate that is white rice and stew, yeah. I will lose my shit. <laughs> um, and so Medellin has like a big food culture that's like oh, has a lot of international food. That's and awesome. so, like, it was dope to be able to get access to, like, I could go have, like, actually good Asian food and, like, get a good pizza and, like... That's oh, so that's, good that's to so hear. That's so good to know. <laughs> we, we've both been freaking out about, like, oh, like, 
like how will the food be there and will we have enough like international food and all that we're so spoiled in california yeah that's, that's awesome. amazing yeah so you won't find like deep cuts mexican food like you will like you right. can in southern california but like mm-hmm. you can find most other things like there's yeah. even a good there's a good pho place oh, yeah. um there's, I love Asian food, so there's like there's good Asian food of all kinds. All yeah. Kinds of so, um, South America in general, um, it's so the scale and the grandeur of so much that you can see in nature here is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. So like a lot of places here, I think I think the U.S. is another place that has things like that, where it's like the Grand Canyon is just like insane, and the Rockies are insane, and Yellowstone and these kinds of things. And so South America has a lot of those those like really really large scale like i'm up face to face with this huge snow-covered mountain or right right in front of me or whatever that's really dope i think that's amazing i just have one super super important question about kind of making sure you buy things on amazon are you able to easily find peanut butter (laughs) where you are no i couldn't find any in spain so it's it's a serious question I don't look for it that often, but okay. yes, you can find it probably enough in a supermarket that you don't you need to bring it. Yeah, bless. Yeah. Okay. That's... Is it gonna be like? Is it gonna be like nice fucking organic Annie's? No, you'll have find like Jif. You'll like, just probably find yeah that one. All right. yeah. Maybe it's time um, to kick the habit. Um, I'm trying to think of this like other stuff because those are like dumb ones. Like this is logistics, but like. Um, um, with the technology yeah. side, like how has it been? Uh, like. Are you VPNing in? Do you have like a, a local phone number and then like your U.S. phone number is riding through? How are you doing all that stuff? Oh, great question. Get yourself a Google Voice number. Okay. Um, because it's an American phone number and you can text any American for free unlimitedly anywhere in the world because it works over... It's basically iMessage for all phones. Got it. Okay. And... So Google Voice is dope. And then you can also associate that with like your bank and all that shit like that so that as you change countries, if you need like a multi-factor authentication code to like sign mm-hmm. into your bank account or like your Venmo or any of that stuff, it gets sent to that phone number. And so like, it's just you, as long as you can get Wi-Fi on your phone or on your computer, you can grab that and use it. Um, I also get a local SIM usually just for data. Right. Um, that kind of varies from country to country on how cheap it is and how easy it is to set up. Brazil's kind of a pain in the ass actually. Okay. Um, Colombia was pretty easy. I think I just like went into a shop. I think it's usually easier to go into an official provider store because then they register it with your passport and you can do recharging online. Yeah, but if you are in a pinch, you can just like go to a bodega and buy an unregistered one, and it expires in like a month or something. Great, understood. Okay, awesome. What are your next travel plans? Are you sticking around in South America for a while? You think? Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm probably gonna be in Brazil till the end of February because I want to be here Carnival. Ooh, nice. Uh, We're thinking of doing. Are you gonna do Rio? Uh, no. I think I'm gonna go to Salvador or Recife. Ooh, I've heard really cool um, things about Salvador. Do you guys want to come? Uh, we might be down. We were thinking of going to Rio, um, but well, I so I talked to like I've been talking to Brazilians about it, and they were like Rio is cool because it's a spectacle. Yeah. So like I think it would definitely be dope. But my impression is Rio is more like you're gonna buy a ticket anywhere you want to go in and watch something, and you're gonna like sit up in a grandstand. Mm. And if you go to like Recife or Salvador, which are both the two ones that people have like recommended to me as much like more local carnivals, it's right. much more focused around like street partying. The so bonkers, you get to like yeah. be much more that like, sounds awesome. part of things. Yeah, so I, I did uh, I did carnival in uh, in Rio once, and so it, there's a lot of blockos there too. But yeah, yeah, but I, I get it. Like it's it's probably more like tourist based, and they definitely did have those samba drones where you buy a ticket and watch all the 
all the samba bands, whatnot. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, was dude, it cool? Well, Would you recommend it? Because I'm not necessarily against doing it. I no, either. I love Rio, and that's why I want to go back. It was such a great time, and not for the the auditorium part, but because of the blockos and the street parties, cool. uh, which Rio had a lot of that. Plus, like it just it was gorgeous, the beach and and all the things to see there, and so I I felt that I didn't spend enough time in Rio, and that's kind of why I want to go cool. back. Yeah. I have no real plan for after like the north up here, so like maybe I'll end up coming to Rio for Carnival. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So we we, we can talk about, like, it more. about it more. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. The, I and mean, where are you guys gonna go after after Brazil after Carnival? Are you guys gonna stick around here for a while? Uh, so no, we're headed to um to India to go see Avi's family for a little bit, and then we're going to post up in Bali. Yeah. After. Tight. So yeah. we'll be when in are Bali. you guys going to India? Like immediately after the Carnival. So I think first okay. we will leave maybe the first week of march so we'll be there first first week to maybe the the third week in march and then uh plan okay. is to stay put in bali for like good three months Dope. so yeah if you want to come visit i fucking love india <laughs> yeah i don't think i'll be in asia anytime soon i'm thinking south america till the end of um south and central america till like like the end of the spring and then go back home for a little bit and then go to africa Ooh. But I don't know. I don't really have a plan past Brazil, so yeah. we'll see. Well, hopefully our paths will cross at least once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure they will. All right. Well, thank you yeah, so hey, much. Yeah, man, really appreciate you taking the time um, to talk to us. This was really helpful. Be well. Yep. Much love. Bye. Nice talking to you. you too. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Johnny, you can go to his website, codebravo.tech. Or you can follow him on Instagram, Johnny the Bravo, one word. Again, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ear Disrupted. Until next time.